Hello and welcome to the Four Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusick. And in this episode, I'm joined by my colleague, Beth Ann Nichols. And we talk about Austin Ernst earning her third LPGA Tour victory on Sunday at the Drive-On Championship at Golden Ocala down in Florida. It was blustery down there, but uh, as a Northeast boy, I was still jealous. 60 degrees and blustery beats the hell out of 30 degrees and snowy. So Beth Ann and I have a deep conversation about Austin Ernst. We also go deep on Jennifer Cupcho. And uh, if there are any brokers or financial service people out there, I want to buy some Jennifer Cupcho stock. I would like to be buying long on Jennifer Cupcho stock. I'm fully ready to go uh, to, to jump on that train. She is going to be a star, and Beth Ann is going to explain exactly why. We also discussed briefly Morgan Pressel making her debut on Golf Channel, as well as many other things related to women's golf. So sit back and enjoy. And now welcome back to the Four Press Podcast. I'd like to welcome Beth Ann Nichols, my colleague at Golf Week, golfweek.com as well as USA Today. Spring is here. I'm not jealous <laughs> of you today. This is the first time, Beth Ann, in like, I don't know, six <laughs> months that I'm not jealous of you today. It's it's finally spring here in the Northeast. Have you been playing at all? Have you had a chance to get out there? Uh, I've been covering golf tournaments the last two weeks, so unfortunately I've watched a lot of other people play golf, but I'm hopeful that uh, in the in the coming weeks it's going to happen. <laughs> Once I get this big project off my plate, I'm all about it. <laughs> well, yeah, but before we came on, you're, of course, like flashing up your cell phone looking at me, having LPGA <laughs> players just texting you and emailing you. Um, just before we even get into it, I want to talk about Austin's win um, at the drive-on. I want to talk about a bunch of things with you. How long did it take before you started having what you would consider now to be good communication with the women on the LPGA Tour? Meaning that, by and large, you're able to get information, COVID stuff aside, get information yeah. that, that you felt like, okay, I can do my job the way that I would aspire to do it. Because there's got to be a level of trust. There's got to be a level of familiarity yeah. for any reporter to sort of do that. How long did it take? Oh, it just depends on player to player, you know? I mean, I think that's the beauty of Golf Week is getting to cover the U.S. Women's AM and the Curtis Cup and the NCAA Championship. You know, you get to know a lot of these players, you know, before they become stars. <laughs> and uh, and so that that actually starts early on. So uh, for some players, you know, I've, I've known them half their lives or more, you know? And so, um, you know, I know their families and uh, you know, and for others, you know, it's uh, others have kind of a natural distrust maybe of the media mm -hmm. or maybe they don't want to, you know, spend too much time. You know, they, they value their time and view it as a different, more of a chore rather than, you know, enjoy the banter, enjoy the conversation. Um, so it just depends player to player. Some players, I'm still striving for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I can tell you that from working much more on the PGA tour. That is 100%. It's an individual basis, at least for me. Some people right away, it seemed mm -hmm. got along swimmingly. They're like, Hey, here's my cell phone. If you ever have a question, like, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is a guy who <laughs> won a FedEx cup. This is somebody I'm like a tax bracket that I'm never even going to understand. And yeah, it's really cool and approachable. How much, um, how much do you think language comes up? Because there are so many really good players on the LPGA tour from mm -hmm. Asia um, who English is not obviously their first language. They don't want to miscommunicate or yeah. lead you down a path from, from just a communication standpoint. That has to be challenging as well, yes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, and, and, and I will say on the one hand, I, 
I applaud the players that try really hard. You know, Jin Young Ko is doing a fantastic job of of trying to do most of her interviews in English, and it's it's wonderful. And she does have someone who travels with her, her agent, who is who steps in when she can't. You know, she'll start a sentence or she won't be quite sure, and mm -hmm. you know, she'll turn to her and and she'll help her out. So, um, so definitely, you know, there's a uh, there's a lot of effort, uh, but but it also sometimes, you know, it's uh, on the podium, it's a little bit different than one on one off yeah. to the side, a lot yeah. different. Yeah, I think when you know that the cameras are all on you, number one, the player doesn't want to misrepresent themselves. They don't want to look foolish. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I get it. I would never hold it against an athlete to prefer to talk in their native language, especially when they know they're on the record and they want to get everything right. Mm -hmm. I really admire the people that take the time to try and learn a second language or to to try and be able to express themselves in what is going to be sort of like the standard uh, language for this. Jim Courier, back when I was in the in the world of tennis, <laughs> took the time to learn French. And so wow. when, he a, when he won a French Open title at Roland Garros, to be able to do the immediate acceptance speech, he gets this big honking trophy and it's really impressive. And he's, you know, just been grinding for four hours. And he's covered in clay. And he says thank you to his coaches and his parents. And then he broke into fluent Parisian French for about eight minutes. And the Amazing. crowd went, bananas they loved it. number they appreciated the effort and the fact that he he was fluent i mean he just mm -hmm. had it and we were all looking at each other like French? <laughs> really and it's like i wanted to learn so i'm like wow that's really cool one of the best voices and accents on the lpga tour is austin Ernst. i was texting you <laughs> earlier this week we were going back and forth this weekend and um if i'm not mistaken she's from south carolina yes mm -hmm. so <laughs> she speaks english she speaks English. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> so my favorite voice on the PGA Tour is Lucas Glover. Lucas mm. Glover to me sounds just like what I pictured John Wayne having looked like. And listening to Austin Ernst, <laughs> who wins this week, sounded like a woman doing a Lucas Glover impression. She was fantastic. <laughs> I have like this newfound, like she was great. And she was really, really good inside the golf course. Tell us about what your mm. thoughts were as she was going ahead and winning uh, the drive on in Ocala. Yeah, it was a wire-to-wire -wire victory. You know, I, I, she made the turn on the final round, leading by six. So it looked like a blowout. It got a little interesting there in the mm. back nine on on the the amen corner of Golden Ocala. It looked like Jennifer Cupcho might do something magical again on on amen corner, but but ultimately, uh, you know, Austin pulled away and 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 won by five. And 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 both players uh, who had separated themselves in the field quite a bit. Uh, rose to inside the top 15 in the in the world rankings, which is is hugely significant. Looking ahead to the Olympics, and uh, and you know Austin was extremely impressive last week, and seems seems extremely confident uh, just yeah. in talking to her. You know, I think she's reached another level of of comfort in uh, in 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 her game and in her life. She's engaged. She's really happy. Uh, you know, she's getting married later this year in October, and uh, and, you know, she just, it just seems like everything in her world's going right right now. Her body language was impressive. She was walking, looking way out. She, her shoulders were back. And, and that's one mm -hmm. of the things that I like to look at when a, when a player's really feeling it, I'm sure you've observed that they, they give off consciously or otherwise, they give off the air of being a winner. They, they mm -hmm. know that they're playing well. And she clearly, when I was watching on Saturday and then watching as well on Sunday, um, she seemed in total control, which didn't mean that she hit every shot. Super. There were definitely right. some, some loose ones here and there. Um, 
I'm going to get the whole wrong, but I want to say on six or seven, she airmailed an approach shot, a long one that put her way down. She was, it was an elevated green and she went long left and she was in what looked like a really squirrely lie. She gets up and down and I'm like, she, her, her, her heart rate may have risen by one beat. I mean, she just <laughs> gave the impression to me watching that like she had a lead. Jennifer Cupshow at that point, I think is like two or three back. The lead hadn't really ballooned out. She looked really confident. How long would you anticipate that to last? Is that something that you find the players can hold on to for extended periods? Or do you think like this is this is a one week block and just for whatever reason, it was her week. She recognized it. And now that it's over, you have to refine that. I think it will stick around for Austin. You know, Austin won last year in Arkansas. Uh, she she made a change uh, to, to some significant changes to her putting and and feels really good with that and 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 I just I just feel like she's she's reached another level just in terms of her game and 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 as I said her her, her comfort factor I think um, you know she's uh, she's eyeing the Olympics you know Solheim Cup obviously she knows what it's like to be left off of that team and and yeah. it doesn't feel good and uh, and so I I think she's she's there's all the Americans have a lot to play for, but but I think that when you're really feeling it uh, and there's so much at stake, you know, gosh, could anything be better? <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> to be honest, I <laughs> me really, either. <laughs> I, a shot here or there each month gives me a little bit of hope before, the, uh, before that hope is put down. Explain to people who may not be aware, how is the formatting going to be for the, the Solheim Cup selection? How does a player earn her way onto the team? They know in many cases about Ryder Cup, but explain right. how Solheim Cup is going to work and how, how players get there. So it's changed actually just recently. Um, you know, typically it's the it's the top eight from from the points list for Solheim Cup, plus uh, two from the Rolex rankings and then two captains picks. But due to COVID, uh, the, it's changed, and so it'll be uh, the top seven off of the points list, two from the rankings, and then Pat Hurst, the, the captain this year, will get three picks. So, uh, so Pat Hurst has a little bit more control uh, of the destiny of the team, and uh, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's. Like I would have liked, I would have liked to have seen them actually make that change from the Rolex rankings uh, right. because they were they were frozen for so long last year, and and you know, I don't know that you know they they were altered for a long time, and so I would have liked to have seen that come from. The rankings rather than the state than the points but nonetheless i was and i really wanted pat hurst to get four picks so i would have rather it have been one from each to tell you the truth <laughs> but so in, your, so in your opinion pat hurst doesn't have as much control over the the composite of the, the the makeup of the team as you think that she should have i mean theoretically you'd like because of, because of co because of covid yeah i mean i mean you look at the Ryder cup team six picks it's european solheim cup team six picks you know, I mean, her three looks kind of small, but hey, it's better than two, which is what she had before last month. <laughs> do, do the players look at then each one of these wins and each one of these tournaments with added pressure with Solheim Cup sort of being obviously a big thing at the end of the, of the season for them? The men, at least the, the U.S. men and the European men are looking at Ryder Cup and mm -hmm. they they want to win major championships. They want to do all these things. But Ryder Cup is still this thing that's like sort of lurking out there. And for players, sometimes when they aren't able to win, one of the things is they don't want to look bad in front of the captain. They don't want to give the impression like they, they want to put on a good show because mm -hmm. they want to get on the team if they need it that way. Um, are the players on the LPGA tour aware of the fact that you want to be good every week? I would just think that the value 
of each tournament, each performance is magnified given the circumstances we're in. Oh, of course. I mean, I think, you know, if you, if you have a bad start to a tournament, you know, uh, and, and, you know, maybe in another year, you're not grinding as hard on the weekend to try to backdoor top 10, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, but now you know that points are on the line and, and it's so tight right now. I mean, there are five Americans right now in the top 15 in the world, which is, I mean, I tried to figure out the last time that happened. I got overwhelmed by, by the data. It's, I don't, it's too hard to figure out, but it's been a very long time. (laughs) So, so, you know, I mean, basically, you know, it's a, it's going to be a horse race and it's really exciting. So a lot of people were talking about the fact that we've had three American winners so far in 2021, obviously the quarter sisters and now Austin Ernst. And I'm going to put out an idea and you, Please shoot it down if you feel it needs to be shot down or say, yeah, you're actually onto something. How much of the fact that we've had two, well, now three American winners um, mm-hmm. is due to the fact that the fields haven't been all of them at full strength. And what I mean by that is that there, it would seem like there, there are a lot of players that are highly ranked in the Rolex rankings, for example, who did not play in Ocala. Um, the field strength was, was fine, but it wasn't absolutely filled. Austin Ernst played great. So I have no way, shape, or form of taking away that. How much of this is just coincidence that the winners that we've had so far are American? And how much do you think of it is the fact that that American women's golf is surging and that we should be ready to see this big movement of many more women from the United States moving up the rankings, being in contention on a regular basis, and hopefully winning more tournaments? Uh, I, I would like to say it's both. Um, I think, first of all, you know, you're you're obviously missing three of the top 15 players in the world have not played yet this year right. uh, on the LPGA. And that's significant. You know, MB Park, So Yu, Hyoju Kim. Uh, Aria Jutanagarn has not played either. She's She and her sister Moria have been in Thailand. Uh, you know, uh, Shan Fang, we haven't, we didn't see her at all last year. Haven't seen her yet. Uh, so, yes, there, there are quite a few uh, global players that that haven't come back to the tour yet for various reasons. You know, I, I expect to see most of them at the Kia classic and the ANA mm-hmm. here, yep. here soon. So, um, so you can't ignore that, you know, that's, that's a factor. Yeah. Um, however, I do, you know, I do think that there's no question that Austin looks to be playing the best golf of her life. Uh, okay. Jessica court is 60 really sent a statement, you know, Danielle Kang, you know, has been, has been playing well for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Nelly, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, the fact that she was so mentally tired and, and, and talked about that after winning and, and seemingly ran out of steam. I mean, she was tired on Tuesday. So, um, so that's, that's interesting, you know, that, that, that it's going to take her a little while, I think, to, to get used to that, you know, um, you know, we think of so many players that have had fantastic win streaks that are top, you know, number one players, you know, we, we, we can go through the list the greatest players in the women's game. And, 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 and I think it's going to take, she's got to figure that out, you know, how to go back to back. Well, so it sounds like the winning isn't for her. And I mean, this in a very public, it doesn't sound like the winning for her is a habit yet. Like when, when you, correct. Win, you know, and I think that winning sort of like the phrase of winning begets winning, like you want to keep winning. Duh. Mm-hmm. That's why we play. Right. But at the same time, the more you win, the more you get used to what does it feel like Sunday night and Monday? Mm-hmm. How do you recover? How do you mentally right. go through whatever you need to go through to refresh yourself so that come like Wednesday, you're kind of chomping at the bit again because you want to do it again. And and that's what I think yeah. the elite players maybe aren't prepared for. Like nobody sort of tells you the goal is to win tournaments. The goal is like, oh, I want to win 
an LPGA event. I want to win a major championship. And then once you achieve it, there really isn't a cheat sheet or a book that says, like, <laughs> okay, now that you've won, you know, the ANA, now that you have won the U.S. Women's Open, here's how you reset things. And yeah. That's something that I guess, and it just explains to me, like, it takes something you have to, to figure it out and experience it, right, to, to learn how to handle it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's as much or more mental as anything else, you know, Um, she was mentally, probably emotionally drained, you know, and, um, and, and, you know, like you look at Annika Sorenstam, one of the strongest mental players arguably ever. And, uh, and I, and, and because I've been working on this project, I was, I was looking a while back at, you know, we're coming on the 20th anniversary for 59. And not only did she shoot 59 and then really battle on the weekend to win that tournament. That was a second tournament victory in a row. But she goes the next week and she plays in the ANA Inspiration and she wins that too. So to follow up, I mean, just imagine what that that takes out of you to shoot 59, become the first person to ever do that on in, in women's golf, you know, win the close off the tournament and then go win a major the next week. And then she won again. <laughs> so, so I mean it's like it's it's remarkable. So I found it really interesting to hear Nellie say that. And it's just kind of a reminder of. Of, of how young she is in this process and 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 that it is a process and that there are steps that you take it's it also tells me like how really special Annika was I like, that too in, in her in her prime she was as dominant as any male player probably has ever been I mean she was just mm-hmm. able to mentally as you say and she changed her body with her fitness regimen and with her discipline and then to be mm-hmm. able to put yourself through that mentally because I'm sure and I'm you know you would know this much better than I would as she's going along during that 59, the realization at some point hits her like, this is plausible. This this can be done. There is a path that is within reach that I'm going to become the first woman to shoot 59. And that will, I would imagine, zap energy and mental strength out of you much more than the actual golf strokes and the walking itself would. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Me, that's me. It's, so the other person that we haven't chatted about who I think in just watching, I, I would love to be buying some Jennifer Cup Cho stock right now. I think <laughs> it's already probably flying up like Amazon at this point. Yeah, <laughs> um, she's her her world ranking is going way up. She is becoming a fixture on leaderboards, first pages mm. of leaderboards. And at this point, as I sort of put out, you know, humbly on Twitter, watching her, and I, I loved her game. Oh my gosh, I loved her <laughs> game. but it. People know her, they know that name because of the Anwa. They understand mm-hmm. from two years ago that that's really what sort of was her foundation. But I, I think that they're going to know her um, for winning a lot of LPGA Tour events over the next couple of years. And it may not even take more than a couple of years for her to get multiple wins out there. Explain to people who may still associate Jennifer Cupcho with the Anwa, with her ex- success in collegiate golf, what she's doing now that that impresses you the most? What What is she able to do in having t- translated that stuff to the LPGA Tour to have this much success this quickly? <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, let's talk about the migraine, right? That's nothing new. She had a migraine at Augusta National in the middle of the round. You know, blurry vision, the whole nine yards, has to rely on her caddy to be able to, to, to see what she's doing. And the same thing happens to her last week and she, she overcomes it as well. You know, I'm just, I said on a scale of one to 10, how bad was it? She said a 10, you know, I mean, it was really, really bad. And so, so, you know, and and right down to numbness in her, in her, in her left hand. Um, you know, so I, I think that just tells you about, she shot 65, by the way, like that came on in the middle of the round and she goes on 
uh, or maybe it was 67, five under 67, I believe. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the point is it was a heck of a round. <laughs> no. And, 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 and so I just think she's tough, right? She yeah. is tough. And so I, I look at that at the next level, you know, she almost won Evian. She gave it a good run when she came right out of the gate, you know, obviously came in in the middle of the year, her rookie season played her way into the, uh, into the Asian events, which are limited field you know, played great and, and has had three chances. Now she's finished runner up three times. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to come, it's not, it's not far. Uh, and every time you put yourself in those situations, you learn about, you learn a little bit more about yourself and how you handle things. And, and, and look, she, she threw away an NCAA championship down the stretch at Wake Forest, came back the next year and won it, you know? Yeah. And so that, you know, that tells me a lot in terms of, you know, she's really good at, at, at learning something, learning from something and then putting it in the past and moving on, you know, and, um, and not, and not carry the scar tissue, so to speak, you know? And so where where does that come from? Because I mean, I look at that, (laughs) if you could transplant that, I mean, you know, forget the COVID vaccine for a second. If you could inject some of that attitude (laughs) into any number of players that you and I could both rattle off, careers are altered. Careers are yeah. like just the ability. I, I think one of the things that, for example, like Dustin Johnson was just the, the most familiar cases. Everything flows off his back. You know, yeah. uh, a, a rules infraction costs him a spot in a PGA championship. All right. Uh, a, a three putt on the last hole of the U.S. Open in 2015. Oh, shucks. You're like, And then he just does nothing but now just dominate. And those are the kind of things that could have cratered careers. And it yeah. sounds like to you, I mean, it, it's she's got some of that gene kind of mixed in there where well i think it angers her but i mean i mean she said like she said it um uh this past week you know that she really worked on patience in the off season that you know she that the idea that when she gets really upset and angry and around she just she lets it out with her caddy and then she and then she moves on you know that she's working on that you know and so so there's an awareness there and that's that's something that right 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 and so that that's in the middle of the round trying to um be patient. I mean, that's, that's what she said. So, um, so I think, you know, I, I think she's, she's really strong mentally and, uh, and I, I just look forward to seeing what, what she can accomplish because I think she, I, I was really, ho- I mean, nothing against Austin, but I thought it'd be really cool if she won in the run up to the Anwa, you know, for the storyline of, you know, the yeah. last, the yeah. last champion here just, just broke through on the LPGA. <laughs> well, and what do you think about the fact that there were replica holes at Golden Ocala? Oh, it, would, it, would, it, was, it, was, it was the perfect uh, full circle moment, right? You know, but, uh, but also, but also a little bittersweet, right? Because she wanted in an amateur event, not at an LPGA event at Augusta National. So, uh, you know, there's still that, there's still that little small thing that the women are only playing it on replica holes for, the touring pros. That's, <laughs> that's a podcast unto itself. How many LPGA tour players do you know would trade a couple of wins for that win at the Anwa? Mm-hmm. A I, couple I, of L, a couple of LPGA wins. That's a good question. Um, I you, don't know. As you're, as you're mentioning that, obviously paychecks are wonderful things. I look forward to getting one yeah. every two weeks. You know, I can't imagine picking up, you know, a paycheck for a couple hundred grand, like Austin Ernst just picking <laughs> up all these other players. But but the value of that win for her career, mm. at, at some point, is she going to be tired of talking about it? I know it's a great thing to talk about. And if you want <laughs> the, the definition of a first world problem for yeah. a, a female golfer, like, 
oh, you want to talk more about Anwa? That was two years ago. This is what I'm doing now. Right, um, right. At the same time, like until she breaks through and maybe wins. I mean, if she wins the ANA in a couple of weeks ago, we've got a whole different storyline to go. Right, down. right, right. Do you get the sense or have you gotten the feeling at all that she's ready to talk about other things? Um, I mean, I know I'm sure I'm sure it wears on you after a while, but um, but you know, I think she's still the only one. She's still I mean, yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know how special it is and and you know, I mean, you'd rather be talking about it than uh than not, right? At the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, you and I are just, you know, these ridiculous scribes. We both remember the first time we went to Augusta National. Like you, you remember <laughs> that. Remember, there's certain things in this that makes this game great. Yeah. Um, my father never played golf. He despised it. Um, he also had a really lousy back. So probably a good thing that yeah, but like I, for example, the first time I went to Pebble and mm -hmm. I had a chance to play, I can tell you every shot off of every hole. Um, <laughs> you don't you don't get that in a you know bowling. No. Oh, I remember the first time I <laughs> nobody remembers that, but we remember this stuff. And for her to be able to experience that must, you know, I I I would imagine at some point, like, okay, like I've given every interview i've answered every question um her game to me though seems to translate to where i see the lpga tour going mm -hmm. um let me ask you this so i've done a lot of stat stories on the pga tour in terms of like what is the recipe for success on the pga tour and the old adage like you know you drive for show and you putt for dough is total bs um that <laughs> the best players the ones who win the most money the ones who week in and week out are near the top of the leaderboard, tend to be long off the tee. They tend to be great iron players. So from distance, they can put it close. Mm -hmm. And then they win when they catch a hot putting week. So hmm. obviously, we watch Bryson DeChambeau win at Bay Hill. And the histrionics at number six sort of aside, you look at what his recipe is. It's like he can hit shorter clubs into par fours and par fives than everybody else. He theoretically is trying to be more accurate. That's what Rory has done. That is what Dustin Johnson's done when he's mm -hmm. not injured. Brooks Kepka, like we could go on and on and on. When I look at Jennifer Cupcho, she may not be the longest hitter that's out there, but she plays the game the way that I would think like statistically and feel it's like this is where the women's game is going. It's not about dinking it out 220, hitting everything straight, hitting your nine wood into the like they're really playing at a really high level am i wrong on that i mean this is where no, i see no question about that <laughs> women, yeah i mean like the women's golf is going in that direction she seems to be the sort of embodiment in a lot of ways of that trend yeah i mean jennifer cupcho is certainly on the upper echelon of distance on tour you know she's not ann van dam but she's she's a big hitter yeah. um and and i think that you know um you know Jen Young Ko isn't a big hitter, you know, but, but she yeah. has, she has enough length, you know, she's, uh, she's extremely good with her wedges. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard for the longer players to capitalize as much as they do on the PGA tour on the LPGA because par fives aren't set up to be as reachable. They're not hitting eight mm -hmm. irons or seven irons or six mm -hmm. irons into a par five. Um, no one is really, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, and, you know, they're, they're not there, you know, there aren't as many drivable par fours. Many times the longer players are handicapped and hitting three wood off the tee. Uh, so, so yes, it's length is an advantage no matter what, but not as much as it could be on the mm -hmm. LPGA. I don't think, um, 
and uh, but you know ultimately I, I I just would like to see more scoring uh, could, scoring clubs in the hands for players. I would love to see more reachable par fives. You know a lot of the excitement that we saw at Bay Hill, yeah. you know it can't can't be exactly the same on the LPGA because obviously you know they're not hitting it as far, but you could still set up something you know yeah. comparable. I think it would be great. It was really exciting just listening to people and watching all the stuff that was going up on social, the few spectators that were able to go to Bay Hill. Everybody loved it. Everybody was waiting yeah. around six green, you know, three three groups before Bryson's hitting. I was like, is he going to go for it? And that's that's fun, buzzy stuff that, that gets everybody excited. Did you have a chance to watch any of the broadcasts? Obviously, you were working on site. Um, did you catch any of Morgan Pressel's... Uh, work on golf channel a little bit yeah i was i was out i was outside a lot i thought i thought she did a really good job yeah um i mean it's uh boy it's i i I would not want that job (laughs) (laughs) i would almost have that job come on like okay so so let's go there why Um, why would you not want that job uh well i I mean i mean obviously i think you have to she has a resume she's won a major title you know she she the, the purpose of her role is to speak from experience, right? And to say what the player's feeling and uh, explain the shots, uh, you know, but it's, uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, at the end of the day, the LPGA, I mean, we've talked about this all the time, does not have the statistics, not even rem- remotely close to no. any kind of statistics that the PGA tour has. So, so the announcers can't really give you, you know, the inside baseball account of how this player's improved or, you know, which part of their game, you know, excels and how, how to compare that. I mean, they, they can't break it down like that. So I say, I mean, it's, I think it's a much tougher job to be in the booth for the LPGA than the PGA tour because of a lack of information. So I was talking with a high up person. I'm not going to give this away. So I'm going to be cagey here. I was talking (laughs) to a very high up person at a shot tracking system company and told them you should partner with the LPGA tour and basically be the stats provider, information provider, whatever the hell you want to call it Mm. to get some of this shortcoming rectified. I mean, this, this needs to be fixed. And a lot of it is, is a money thing. A lot of it is a resource thing. Um, the PGA tour uh, gets a lot of volunteers to make shot link work. It's not just the equipment. You have to have bodies using the equipment you have to have a walking score with every group that's actually got a little tablet that says like oh that ball's in the rough that ball is in sand this like shot went to here the shot went to there people with measuring equipment that is survey quality and mm-hmm. they get trained on this and they try and bring them back every year so they don't have to return the lpga tour has got to have that part i was told that the lpga tour had the relationship twisted that they wanted to be paid by this company to have them become their official partner and to provide the stats that they wanted to be the client in this and i was like hold on they don't have stats right now Mm. if you go to the lpga tours website you get you know some very very basic Mm -hmm. um things yeah you you look at greens and drag that's it uh, yeah two putting you know you you get putting (laughs) average which might be the most useless stat that's ever been invented (laughs) and i'm like hold on a second so so they want you they want you to pay to provide the stats for their tour and for their players yes (laughs) i think we've got something backwards here but 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 regardless like as long as those conversations at some place in some back room are being made i have hope yeah at least there's there's the recognition that this needs to be rectified and fixed when you can get 
better stats, you can get a richer understanding of what is happening. And right now we don't have it. I thought Morgan yeah. was great. I, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. If she was nervous, she didn't show it. Agreed. <laughs> I, I, you know, and nor should she, I, I, I would look at that as for a player, um, that they, they want you basically to show off what you know. Mm -hmm. And once you sort of get the technical part, somebody talking your ear while you're watching something here and throwing, right, it, right. It, that's tricky. Once you get comfortable with that, then you can relax. And that was made Johnny Miller really good. That was the things that made, I thought Costas and McCord and other people really good. She'll get it. I think she'll totally get it. I want to finish talking a little bit about the next couple of tournaments. We've got the Kia classic coming up. We've got a break. We've got two weeks off, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Then we get the Kia, and then we get the ANA inspiration. Um, what are players going to be doing over the next couple of weeks? It's just long enough where I got a hunch you got to kind of keep grinding as if you were almost in tournament mode because two weeks off, but then two weeks on, and you want that second week on to be really, really good. Yeah, I think you'll see. I think you'll see most players take a couple of days off uh, right after this two week stretch. Um, because it was a grind. These these two tournaments, you know, were were tough. Uh, especially Nona, it was a it was a great track and a good test. Uh, but I definitely think, uh, yeah, I mean, they'll they have enough time to to hone some things in uh, before before the California stretch. And uh, and I wish there were going to be fans. It's the 50th anniversary of the A and Inspiration, and it's such a shame that um, can't really celebrate properly uh, yeah. in that in that regard. Um, you know, it'd be a little bit different. There will only be one amateur in the field this year. And and then that was in my notes is that the amateur thing, and you and I have talked about this offline before. I mean, there are a couple of changes that, that, that from what I understand, that the wall is gone behind 18. The wall is gone. Yes. Hallelujah. And so, so it should be really interesting because typically they only, uh, so, so we're going to tease a project I'm working on and working on it. I'm working on a big project on course setup and uh, it'll be coming out next week. And, uh, and one thing I was asking players last week is, would you like to see uh, the A and a uh, 18th hole moved up? The T moved up all four rounds, uh, especially with, you know, there's no grandstand. There's, there's no wall. Thank Lord. Uh, so, you know, let's create some drama and, and a lot of players still won't be able to go for it. Uh, but, but you know, some players might have a five iron in hand and 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 like the lie and feel good and 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 feel like they can hold the green and 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 give it a chance. So, I mean, I'm all for for more reachable par fives, especially down the stretch. And I don't think it should just be on the weekend. I think it should, in some cases, it should be it should be all four rounds. So I'm hoping that they do that uh, this year. Hallelujah! Because there is nothing that. I would find more frustrating than having a really tight tournament come down to a wedge contest where right. we battled for 71 holes and now we're going to hit three wood off the tee because it's unreachable. Then we're going to hit nine iron to get to a gap wedge or <laughs> a stand wedge. And now we're going to basically have the whole tournament come down to a wedge contest. That's yeah. not, we need to have some tees. You need to entice. Um, I'm not a golf course architect. I don't even play one on TV, but <laughs> I, I know that like there needs to be something that tugs at a player's mind that says like, you can do this, try it, earn the win. I mean, we just came from Bay Hill. How would Arnie do? Absolutely. That? Absolutely. And, and, and if there are some train wrecks, awesome, you know, Please. like that's, that's what we want. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I, I, 
I, I 100% agree. I mean, train, train wrecks I, are opportunities for glory. You're you're denying them in some right. cases an opportunity to really demonstrate just what they're capable of doing. And I would say the same thing when when the PGA Championship. I, I'm going to get this wrong. I want to say it was 2006. Was it Baltus Raw? The 17th hole is 600 and change yards uphill. There's there's crocodiles. There's piranhas. There's crosswalkers. <laughs> it's stupid. It is one of the worst conceived holes ever. And it finishes weird because it goes par five, par five to finish. No one can make it. So essentially, you're turning <laughs> this really long hole into a three-shotter that no one can make. Yeah. Everyone's laying up to the same thing. Everyone's pitching it up there. It's boring. Boring. Like, give them an opportunity to to do something. Um, we'll save some more talk about the ANWA for an ANWA preview that I'm going to force you to do because I have other <laughs> thoughts with, with regard to ANWA and ANA and some conflict. We'll, we'll end on a little bit of a tease that... Uh, anybody who knows about women's golf, they'll know exactly where I'm going with mm. that. Um, so what else are you going to be working on? You've teased now a project that we're going to be able to look forward to seeing on golfweek.com. What else are you working on? Yeah. Yeah. So it's in concert with uh, the 20th anniversary of Annika's 59, which is next week. Cool. So uh, there'll be some some video. I talked to her. I had an interview with her on camera about that. So that was fun. Uh, and the most interesting thing about that, I think, is that she forced herself, she told her caddy, I'm in the middle of the round, I need to make a par. Like she she deliberately made a par to take the pressure off because she'd made so many birdies in a row that she just had to have a little release. And then she stepped up on the 10th tee and she made another birdie and she made four more in a row. So, so I mean, how about that? How about that strategy? I, I, I think that's fascinating. <laughs> and Nielsen someplace are just like going to be cheering the fact that she was that attuned to everything <laughs> that she would demand a par and not go for another birdie. Um, all right. Listen, Beth Ann, thank you very much for coming once again on the four press. As always, you deliver. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you.